Welcome to Stepside. Joel Johnson and me, Matt Howie. Each week we talk about truck news, truck-related items, our favorite trucks, everything trucks. Trucks, trucks, trucks. Let's go. Welcome to Stepside, the Barbie movie podcast that just gets deep into Barbie all the time. I went to the movies last night and there was 700,000 people there all dressed in pink. Like, is this like a TikTok meme? Like every teenager? It was crazy. I've never seen no, a movie theater uh, so full. It's, they made a movie about Barbie. I know. I saw it and it was great. Probably one of the fa- my favorite things of the year, but like this is a week out. It doesn't out. seem great the way you're talking about it. You seem no, like no. Really I'm just saying a week it. later... Everyone was wearing pink. It was like it was like a, like people were like performing like in public. It was weird. In a way, aren't we all performing in public? <laughs> of course we are. All right, trucks, 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 trucks. What's some truck news? Oh right, well, new Land Cruiser. I mean, you're not a Land Cruiser guy, so I don't expect you to be. Well, too I saw ex- the I saw the five fifty. They're going to call it at the Overland thing. Is that that's kind of going to be the small land cruiser right so my understanding of what's happening is that so first of all all the new toyota stuff is supposed to run off of one architecture the tnga platform and the new tacoma's on that the new gx lexus gx is on that everything's supposed to probably become a forerunner also so yeah from my so they the only vehicle that they've released in the suv of the new suvs is the lexus gx i mean it's not out yet but they've shown it off and there's there's you know bodies in white and stuff running around and which it looks awesome to me i don't know a lot of plastic Uh, the one i saw who gives a shit it looks great (laughs) the one yeah it looks nice the one the one i saw had locked doors so we couldn't see the interior i'm really interested in the interiors like um, yeah, because generally it seems like they're kind of fixing their interior game yeah. finally. Right. But what it looks like to me that so in the last week, the Toyota has been teasing a reintroduction of the Land Cruiser. And I think an executive even said like, well, Land Cruiser is coming back in America, in America. Hmm. But the thing with the Land Cruiser has always been we have gotten generations of the quote unquote real Land Cruiser up until the 200 series and part of the 300 series, but they didn't bring, they've never, they didn't bring the big boy full fat Land Cruisers over in this last generation, unless you bought it as a Lexus. Yeah. And so in Land Cruiser world, Land Cruiser has always been since the sixties, seventies, there's not just one Land Cruiser. And especially when you go into a global market, there's like Land Cruisers that were only in Australia or it's in Australia and Africa or it's in, you know, South America and Mexico, but and not the U.S. And there's also two doors, four doors, truck bed. No right. Truck and then bed. there's a million permutations <laughs> yeah. of them. And then also there's uh, tiers within it. So there's what we never got technically as the Land Cruiser Prado, but we got effectively as the Lexus GX. Yeah. And, and Prados used to be kind of seen as like, you know, among, because in Toyota land, there's like, the hardcore Toyota guys who are like, the only thing that's a real Toyota off-roader is a Land Cruiser with solid axles Triple and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then, and then there's the, but over the last, like, call it 10 or 15 years, people between like JDM, 
Orientalism and also people just realizing you don't need to have like a complete beast for 99% of the stuff you're doing. People started going like, oh, actually like the Prado is pretty cool. Yeah. And hey, Forerunners are pretty cool and Tacomas are pretty cool and all of this different stuff. And so what it looks like is gonna happen is that just like we have the Tacoma, but the rest of the world has the Hilux. Yeah. And the Hilux, is slightly better in previous generations than what the Tacoma was. It had a boxed frame and some other things. It was another one of those things where people were like, oh, it's so much better. And in reality, it's like not that big a deal. I think we're going to have something like that, except what is weird to me is in the U.S., I think we're going to end up having, it's looking like to me, almost effectively the same three trucks with three different badges. And so we're going to have... The, the Lexus GX, but I bet you we're going to get a Land Cruiser that's almost exactly the same. Hmm. And then we're going to get a 4Runner. I think we're going to make a 4Runner out of the GX platform. That's what they yeah. tradition like the yeah. GX has always been seen as like the nicer 4Runner. Yeah, yeah. But here's my suspicion. It doesn't matter. Actually, none of this matters. Life doesn't matter. It's Why are we doing a podcast? <laughs> the American Land Cruiser that will launch here will be a Prado, just like the, it'll be a pair, it'll be matched up with the Lexus GX. Yeah. And it'll be more of a branding exercise than anything. But the interesting thing about that to me is, does that mean the Land Cruiser will be the same price as the Lexus and they'll make it a little more hardcore? Or does that mean the Land Cruiser will be less than the GX and that makes the Forerunner cheaper and like a more of an entry level unit? They don't want to cannibalize Forerunner sales because those are strong as hell. Forerunners are insane sales. But they like, still, they can't. Yeah. A friend has that special anniversary, you know, like a 2019, like one of the last, what, 300 The one series? with the stripe? It's beautiful. No, no, no. I mean, uh, he has like a Land Cruiser, one of the last ones they did in America. Oh, like a 20, the 200 series. Yeah. yeah. Those things are going for $125,000, even though the sticker is like 75. So yeah. I think. I think they don't want like big Land Cruisers anymore because those are just old man cars that are hundred thousand dollars. I, I mean, they're not going to sell any. So I think I think they are going. I think you're right. I think they are going to go at the GX level, and maybe it's like a sixty, sixty-five, like slightly chunkier. With a ton of options, just like they're doing the Tacoma. So it's like they could it, say oh, it's right. cheaper, but it'll be sixty-five to a hundred, <laughs> depending on like. Well, it could what be like the Trail get. Hunter edition of the Forerunner is actually you know instead of making yeah. a super duper. We're going to like, yeah, maybe they'll bring the forerunner down and push that one up. That's I mean, like all boring. things when it comes to trucks, like the truck I need is a 15 year old, like <laughs> anything with a bed. Yeah. But of course I immediately was like, the Ooh, GX is nice. so good looking. So I was like, could comfy. I just live with a SUV again? <laughs> like, can I go back to that? You know what I heard? It's like Australia always has the coolest shit. They always have the coolest Land Cruisers, the coolest Hiluxes and stuff. And the best options and equipment on Toyotas. But uh, God, I heard a hot take the other day that overlanding exists only because Australian laws are so gnarly. Car laws. Like you're only allowed to do like two inches of lift. You can never have more than 35 inch tires. They're saying like, do you ever see off-roading videos from Australia? They're running Land Cruisers like with skinny tires and like doing some gnarly stuff with like really underpowered rigs and stuff. Because Australian inspection laws are intense. I think you have to do it once a year and they're like... They don't let you modify that to your heart's content. So what can you do? You can stick two stoves in and a tent and a sink and a toilet because you got you can't go. You know you can't 
fuck with it too much like in america you can't swap axles and stuff and you can't raise it as high as you want and i was like god damn it that sounds like that holds water <laughs> like god damn it i buy it yeah. like also you know if if the tradition of off-roading trucks starts with utilitarian trucks it makes a lot more sense that they would focus on distance because everything in australia is on the rim of the continent right. and to go through the outback or far up the coast. And, and, and then <laughs> in America, West, West Texas, but it's 2,500 miles long. No one lives there. Like the entire right. middle. <laughs> and America builds up because everything is based on short. a mudding <laughs> philosophy. Like you have to go short, but you have to move a ton of stuff yeah. in a very, and you have to go uh, up a mountain immediately. Yeah. And they have to like, yeah, I guess this is like, yeah, European bikes are like, they're just way into reliability and going on 500 mile rides. And here we're like not. And like we have electronic shifting that breaks. It's fine. Well, so yeah, the new Toyotas look cool as hell. The new Lexus look good. I liked it. It had a lot of plastic. Like there, people are going to have to make bumpers for it with way more approach oh my angle God, and stuff. Who cares? I mean, it's just like if you're gonna do something with it, you're gonna break okay, it. Okay, but if but what if it was made of metal? You'd still want to put bumpers and everything on it, like no. I would just say like make them high clearance and stuff. I did also see the new Chevy. What is it called? ATX four four X something. AT four X. Yeah, and it was the AEV edition with like nice bumpers. It came with a, a Silverado Col or the Colorado. It was a Colorado, so it was. Yeah. I think it was sort of a few months early. It was just at the Overland Show. It had a come up winch and it had rad AV bumpers that look, of course, factory and stuff. And I was like, God damn, it has tons of ground clearance. It looks super comfortable. I mean, I don't know what it's going to cost fully outfitted, 70, 80 or something. Like, it was I bet it'll start around 70. It was the, really the, nice. The GMC AT4X, because the ZR2 is the same trim on the Colorado of the Chevy. Did you do a photo? I thought I did. I would guess. Yeah, that'll that'll be probably in the seventy five MSRP somewhere in that neighborhood. The AEV stuff in the last generation was was good, and they did mm -hmm. stuff for they did a factory package for Ram uh, trucks. Oh, it had had really amazing rock rails, like like what the fuck do you call them? You know, bashy guard things on the side. <laughs> yeah, bashy guards. <laughs> yeah, their stuff's legit. I mean, you know, it. it I I'm. It's the eternal question, right? Like, do you? Yes, a factory built off-roader can be perfectly good, but like, why do you want to take $80,000 like off-road? <laughs> the one complaint I'm starting to see, I haven't, I still haven't driven one of the new twins yet. I need to go take a test drive or something. Cause I didn't love the way the previous gen mm -hmm. rode. They were fine. And the ZR2s of the previous gen had like that, you know, the shocks and the way they operated, they were, they were cool trucks, but I just, there's something that just didn't quite click with me on the everyday livability. I felt like the interior was smaller than it should have been. The like, interior was not great either, but yeah. I want to try one of the new ones. I like uh, the, I've sat in one, like I said, I wanted to show, but I haven't, you know, lived in it. Interior stuff looks way better, but that little four banger, the one thing that's a bit of a bummer to me is they are not, they don't seem to be in the higher trims getting great gas mileage. Oh. That is a thing that's really, I think they're getting like, because some of them, the non-ZR2s and AT4Xs, I think, have customer in customer hands, and they're like 17, Ooh. 18 combined or something. Ooh. Like, you know, the problem is these all these off-road built trucks from the factory or not, wind is a thing. Wind resistance <laughs> is a thing, you know? And so, 
like, yeah, it looks cool or whatever. And I don't, once I actually buy something, I don't, and certainly after I mod it, I don't care about MPG at that point. Because I'm like, it is what it is. In most vehicles, you keep it for a few years, it's another grand of, you know, it's not like massive difference of money. But what but the factory it's still is kind out. of from the factory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It should be as good as possible. These engineers should be like making 22, 24 mile a gallon trucks that we can fuck around with and make into 18 yeah, mile right per gallon hogs or whatever. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do want to, I, I will take a look at those. I, I've been, I thought I was, so I'm spending a lot more time back out in Kansas City and, and was looking at seeing if I was going to buy a truck out here. <laughs> And so I have, I'm still looking at Rangers. I've been looking, I wanted to look at those. I'm not that interested in the new Tacoma and I'm certainly not interested in like getting in line for one or paying a premium, but I will say it has been real nice to be back in a place where there's just a bunch of like trucks cost more here than they do in New York, but they like, there's just a lot more on the road and for sale. And if you want to buy not even a beater, but just something that's got 75,000 miles and is 10 years old like there's a lot more of that out here i love haven't pulled the trigger yet geographic arbitrage is uh fun as hell i only got the jeep 4 by e because i was in florida on the west coast each dealer got like one every three to six months and they would sell them instantly and stuff so there's no way to test drive one and i went to florida and i went to a dealer with 35 sitting on the lot that nobody wanted i was just like this is so cool and like yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. So the the never ending story saga of you and the truck is still so officially in limbo. Well, I mean, I did technically buy a new truck. The BMW makes a truck that's with two wheels. Oh, and so uh-huh. I maybe I, a I, motor. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I. Did you get like an eleven hundred like adventure bike? Yeah, I bought a a GS. I bought a R twelve fifty GS. What? I kind of have had my eye on it ever since they came out and honestly the same thing that has prevented me from buying a truck for so long is also what kind of made me buy this thing because i was shopping for trucks and trying to figure that part out and the deals are still all crap and then i was almost in a fit of peak i like went into a local dealership and they had a gs sitting there that had sat for like over a year and was super discounted and i was like why don't you just buy a motorcycle <laughs> so it rules it's great is I it will never is really that like a paris dakar kind of racer thing yeah, yeah i mean that the gs is the grandfather of the dual sport adventure mm-hmm. bike section or segment like it's it's still got a boxer engine it's like that's it's, pretty it's, big it's, it's a lot like a 911 where it's like they took something that was really antiquated, but they keep updating it. Yeah, yeah. But there's a new one that's coming out this fall. Like BMW has already said there's a 1300 coming out. And I'm sure it'll have a lot better tech and everything. But Is I had like had it. 400 pounds? It looks so big and bulky. Oh, if only it were 400 pounds. <laughs> Is it more? It's 550 wet. Oh, I think, shit. Like so, yeah, yeah. The, if you put it down on a gravel road, it's like a pain in the ass to pick up and shit. Well, yeah, I mean, it's but, it's you fine. know, you just, you just don't drop it. <laughs> this is why I'm a big fan of 600s and smaller. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, like I, but road uh, comfort's probably good. Nothing right? has changed for me as far as nothing has changed for me as far as my off-roading motorcycle philosophy, which applies also to trucks, which is like small and light and is better than, you know, big and beefy. I'm not even putting, I specifically bought, they have two models of the, the GS. Now they have the GS and then they have the GS adventure 
which has like twice the tank, comes with all of the crash bars and armor and stuff. But I specifically never wanted that because I don't want to ride a motorcycle, a touring motorcycle off road. Yeah. Like, and so what I want though is just like an SUV or something. I want occasional. I want to be able to, if I get to a gravel road or a dirt road, to be able to do it. But more specifically, I just want to be able to ride on bad roads. Yeah. And so, like, and for me, I'm 6'3". Like, these big, tall bikes, like, I've got the geometry where they're, you know, it's like they're not too perilous for me. And I'm I'm an is okay the, rider. Is like, the bike in Kansas City or New York? It's in Kansas City right now, which sucks because I can get plates through the DMV and a New York DMV. But they require even new bikes to be inspected once uh, in New York. So I have to either ride it back or, or ship it back, oof. which I will do. But I'm like so busy with work. I'm probably just going to ship it back at some point. It was definitely like an impulse purchase, <laughs> but what, bikes retain their value. Like the, it's like, not a big deal. 15 grandish? What? Like, do they no, it's like 20. 20. Oh, okay. I think my mine. Does it, it have like, like heated grips and all that crazy shit? Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. Heated grips, heated seat, <laughs> nah. heated pillion seat for your passenger. Like, what else What else does it have that will make you, like, make fun of me? <laughs> you know, it has, like, an LCD panel. Like, all of that is on a screen That's with your, like, things. <laughs> Some motorcycles do have CarPlay now. I, I bet you, do you the just next... Bluetooth like, your helmet or something? Yeah, like, oh, I bet wow. the 1300 will have CarPlay. I, would, I bet money on it. The main reason I wanted to move up to one of these more premium bikes is, like, one... I am a good enough rider and I do long, just with mo just like with trucks, I'm a distance guy more than anything else. Like I like to go take long trips and I had a F800 GS, which was basically like half the power and on the interstates or freeways or out on a windy plane up over 75, 80, you really started to run out of juice. And especially with luggage and everything on there, like I just, I needed, I wanted more. This has literally twice as much, which I didn't really need, but is kind of fun to have. But yeah, it's just a touring thing. And like, it's definitely like the 911 is the funniest like analog. It is like, it's an orthodontist bike, right? It's like <laughs> the guy who doesn't want the Harley, yeah. but still wants something like big and comfortable. But yeah, I'm, it's like super nice. And, yeah. and I got a deal on it. It was like, I had like basically the cheapest version because I don't have the GSA and it doesn't come with like a lot of the armor and add-ons. And I think new it would have been 23 and I bought it for basically 20. So yeah, it's dope. Adaptive headlights that turn into the, when oh you lean. Oh my God, I love it. It has, it has a quick shifter so you don't have to clutch in to shift up and down. Oh, rev matches Although it's and like kind of janky, but it's, <laughs> it does work. But the other big reason for me that I wanted to move up to a big boy bike is they have a lot more safety features now too like yeah, the brake modulation yeah. and g sensors and stuff and like i'm an okay rider but i'm you know i'm not like i'll take all the safety i can get yeah. and so yeah it doesn't preclude a truck it, but if anything to be honest well, now they need spending, a truck bed big enough to fit it <laughs> well so here's the other thing that happened i was shopping for raptors and then i was shopping for talking to a friend that has a second gen raptor who was talking about trading the 911 to me straight up but it was like not quite a it was like close in a deal, except mm. the 911 is going to stay flat or appreciate and the right. Raptor will not. And so it was like trying to figure that out. And then literally the day before I was getting ready to go buy a truck, he texted me and was like, hey, this old Tacoma I've got that I had like let my sister borrow. 
she may not need it anymore. So I have trucks like floating back into my universe <laughs> to the point that I am now going, is it time to finally build the truck that I want and spend like a year building a flatbed situation? Because also now that I'm spending more time in Missouri again, I've got access to all of my mechanic friends and all of the shops that I'm friendly with out here. So, um, it is what it is. I don't know. But like, <laughs> yeah, now I'm like surrounded by trucks, have a bunch of trucks to use whenever I need them, except back home, which is the one place I actually needed it. <laughs> well, you build the perfect truck, then you take it home. Let me see. I went to the uh, uh, Pacific Northwest Overland, West North Mountain. I think there's one more this year at the end of August in Colorado. It was more like tons and tons of those earth roamer million dollar rigs i ignored and sprinter vans i'm over completely because i don't own one anymore so that's like half the show i could ignore i was there to see like all the weird little the things i loved about ces the weird little guys who just did yeah. like scratch an itch so and it was really hard it, it was really big and it's hot it was like 90 degrees fahrenheit sucked so i didn't see everything i wanted to see but like I would say in the the weird little guys world, <laughs> found this engineer guy who makes like his own like I guess synth straps, just like cam buckles, not ratchet, but just straight up old school. But it's absolutely direct and super tight. And he's showing me a demo, and I'm like, oh shit, this is exactly the problem I have. I ordered, I bought some like nice straps from I can't remember who at REI or something to strap down my new cooler in the back of my Jeep, and I like screwed it into the base and. And they can never hold, like, they'd always, after a few miles, like... They'd slip. Yeah, they slip with a little friction. He was like, oh, I hate friction. I built these things to wear. Yeah. Like, and, and so I, like, do a little demo with a 30-pound weight, and it's like, holy shit, that thing does not slip. And I bought these, like, I mean, they were, like, eight bucks or something for two-foot little straps. They do have not moved a millimeter since I cinched them in. Like, I'm going to have to find the guy and find the link. Yeah, but I want those. Send those to me. It was just, like, absolutely great. And the other thing he did was... Uh, paracord he was obsessed with paracord and he made these like tensioners for paracord so if you're like wiring up stuff in your tent and all this stuff you could just it was like a quick tighten thing like mm -hmm. and it was great i've never seen anything like it but man his his straps were like amazing they <laughs> just do what they're supposed to do forever like yeah i, was, I like i, really I gave up there was a long period of time i have i have like three files that i have on my phone at any given point and one of them is a pdf of a knots book <laughs> I was That's a good. scout. Like I know how to tie knots in theory, but I so rarely tie knots that every time I have to look them up and then I still have the time don't get it right. And, but for years I, I, I had a brief flirtation with becoming a paracord guy as well. <laughs> and so I was like, I got to know all these knots just in case, you know, when it, when the, when the government comes for me and like, so I can hang myself and the, and I could never get like the, I can never remember like, okay, which cinch do I need to like tighten this? And oh wait, I got to do it on both sides and all this stuff. And then I, there was, there are companies that have, I mean, you can get them at Walmart, those little, they're just like little, I don't know what you call them. It's not a cam buckle, but kind of like that where you just like wrap it around it and it'll hold. Yeah. But yeah, that's like in my little camping setups now for that, if I, I'm going to guy down uh, a tent or whatever, and it doesn't have its own setup. Like I always just have a little roll of paracord or yeah you know, whatever I have. I actually have, this is, it's funny, I never really thought about this to, I never had a venue in which to tell the world about this, but I have a piece of about, it's maybe 20 feet long, and it's not technically paracord, but it's like 
because it's thinner and smaller, but it's this like little piece of, of paracord like rope that I found hiking 15 years ago. That's like red, white, and yellow that I've never cut. And I've taken it everywhere. And it's like the one thing that I've taken everywhere and I've used it a million times. And it's just been the, it started out as just this challenge of with like knots to be like, I never want to cut this thing. I only want to like tie knots into it or whatever. And then I just somehow have kept it this whole time. It's just like, that's out of all of the gear I bought and all of the trucks and vehicles I've gone through. There's just this one little 20 foot thing of, of twine basically that I've had with me forever. At the Overland thing, the only other thing I think demos won me over and I actually tested it out a couple weeks later. Like I didn't know this existed that people are like getting away from sleeping bags, like, you know, mummy bags that zip up and have a hood and all this shit, especially in summer, you know, where you don't need like to capture every ounce of body heat when it's hot. People are getting into just, they call them quilts, backpacking quilts. It's just like a comforter. And like you sleep on your sleeping pad and you throw it on. And I was roasting on a camping trip recently and I was like, I'll just test this out. And people are like, well, if you, if you, they're like three, 400 bucks, right? They're as much as like a really high end sleeping bag. But there, people are like, just unzip your sleeping bag. You know, it's not perfect, but just try it. And I had the best sleep camping yeah. in my life. Like, cause I'm a person who sticks a leg out when I'm too hot, like while I'm still asleep. And it's like, I slept like a baby when I went to this. So I was like completely convinced I'm never using a sleeping bag again. They even have like deep winter setups with it where you like, tack it to the sides of your sleeping, yeah, sleeping pad. bags are a modern invention like you know people I, lived without them for a long time yeah i, I will say like I, like sleeping yeah. bags still have their place for super cold stuff yeah, yeah. i have my cold i have a zero degree bag is the the best i have mm. which i don't even really need but i got a good deal on it it was like a 300 dollars bag that i found yeah. on ebay for like 50 bucks yeah but what it has and the nice ones have is it's a mummy bag, but it'll have some stretch material in the side. Uh, yeah, so you can really still cool. kind of like move your arms or reposition or whatever. Those help a lot. Yeah. But I don't know if this is exactly what you're talking about. And I want to talk about it more because quilts is my business. <laughs> but like we've had years ago, back when we got, you know, like review things or whatever, somebody had sent us a rumple, which yeah, was... Right the same kind of idea, really more of just like a blanket, but it was made out of sleeping bag material with, I don't know what that satin or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And we've ended up keeping those around. We bought a second one and those are like our picnic blanket. You know, it's like, it's yeah. nice to have something that things don't stick to. And then in the taco with the AT Habitat, we didn't use sleeping bags at all. That was one of the things I loved about it because it was just like a normal bed. So we had like normal layered blankets. <laughs> Can I tell you my Overland Expo small vendor joke? Sure. I think Overland Expo small vendors could also be called 15 ways to shit in a plastic bag. <laughs> yes, it's very much that. I would Overland say, toilet. Hey, yeah. what does this one do? Well, you I put know. the plastic bag here. Oh, okay. What does this one do? Well, it folds up real small, <laughs> and then you put the plastic bag on. It's like... Great. So this is the best we've got, huh? Shitting in plastic bags? <laughs> I mean, 90% of Overland Expo is bullshit because it's so, I mean, it's just so much. And oh, I, I, I mean, ugh. it's fun. I mean, they do the classes. You got to you gotta go and do the whole, the whole yeah. experience. Zen Bivy is probably the one I'm going to buy. Zen uh, Bivy? Yeah. Zen Bivy. It's like it's whole, like, it comes with a bottom sheet, like fake sheet. Oh, uh, okay. So it's ultralight thing. 
Oh, I see. So yeah, it's a mummy bag, but it just kind of opens up well, at it's, the end. It's it's like a fancy rumple. That's all it is. Yeah. And the rumples, I think, like I always had one in the back of the Sprinter. We used it for. I don't know why I never thought to sleep with it, but like I'm always miserable in the summer when I use like a 15 degree bag or even a 30 degree bag or 40 degree bag, and I keep it zipped open. Then I'm just boiling. I'm roasting till four in the morning, and then I'm freezing. And then like, I mean, I just yeah, I just laid out my big ass thing like a comforter and slept like a baby for the first time so i'm like i'm fully sold on these things so. you are the reason overlanding products <laughs> and industry exist whole- i have a five degree delta in which i can be comfortable <laughs> and but i like to be outside but, so yeah just unzipping my i think i probably took a 20 degree bag with me to a you know 60 degrees at night trip I'm happy you're happy. Uh, oh, I thought it was funny. We should, I should link to the donut video. A couple months ago they took, because I was at this Overland thing, there's all these million-dollar earth roamery things, like giant Ford F450s and 550s with these humongous like habitats on the back. They took one off-road in Southern California, <laughs> and the one part they talk about is like it has so much weight. It's something like 12,000 pounds or 13 that the... Any yeah. bump they and hit it was the built roads. out of carbon fiber. If it's the one I'm thinking of, yeah, so. yeah, it's that big. Yeah, it's like like a geodesic dome. It's covered in bedliner. It's blue. It looks beautiful. It's 1.25 million, but it sways like crazy when they hit the smallest pothole and they take it off roading and they t- <laughs> they twist the drive shaft into a pretzel on basically a gravel road. You know, at a 10 degree slope, <laughs> like it just they just punch the throttle at the wrong time and tear up the drivetrain on a 1.2 million dollar. So it's like, yeah, I was like, I was already convinced I would never, I don't see the point of those things. Just go full Unimog at that point, but like. Or just go full class A RV. With a trailer. With a trailer or whatever. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I I try to, you know, not yuck other people's yum, except like my, but billionaire and like ultra rich people's (laughs) yum. These are land yachts for like the rock and Will Smith. I mean, I don't know who's going to buy a $1.25 million truck. Like, and it's just like, it doesn't seem very fun. It doesn't seem very fun. Like you can't take it everywhere. You can't take it. Yeah. It won't go everywhere. And that's the whole premise is that it can go everywhere, but it has this stuff on there and it's like, it. but it can't dangerous as hell. And I mean, granted there's skill issue stuff and I've seen guys in big old man trucks and all this stuff like, yeah, sure. But it is the difference between like, I want to go out into the desert unsupported, but relatively as far as technical stuff, I'll just drive around it and like, okay, I guess like, but yeah, most of those things, they're just huge. They're not good for it. I don't know what they're for or who they're for, who wants them. But so like I, I, yeah, I avoided half of the vendors because a lot of it was that stuff, but yeah, it was overall fun. It's fun to see the little vendors. Everyone's got a little Cordura nylon pack for getting your gear and your recovery stuff like all organized in the back of your forerunner like there's a million companies doing that that was funny although you know i just have to have a tape measure you know in my own truck there to figure out which of these would actually fit everywhere i wanted it to the funny part was this was in bend like three hour drive away over a huge mountain pass as i'm driving back my jeep for no reason just starts shitting the bed Throwing up check engine lights. I actually went to limp mode with a little turtle icon. And then the gas would go away. And then it was misfiring. And I'm like, I have oil pressure. The temperatures were okay. And I would just like, if I stopped and waited five or ten minutes, it would run for like another 20 minutes. I had to do this cycle where I was like, I am two hours from a dealer on either side of this mountain pass. What happened? 
I don't know. I left it at the Jeep dealer for a week. And they were like, we saw 25, you know, DTC codes and we looked through them and none of them were serious. And then we updated all the firmware to the latest stuff. And there's all these Stellantis like recall things we patched it to. And it seems fine now. And uh, <laughs> they gave it to me the night before friends were going to the Rubicon trail. <laughs> and I said, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> and I like threw a whole bunch of shit in the back of it and drove to Sacramento and went to Grass Valley to see a friend. And I was on the Rubicon Trail the next morning. <laughs> and like, holy shit, man. The Rubicon Trail, like, oh my God, it is so gnarly. I can't believe this is kind of like, it's kind of like how Mount Tam outside of north of San Francisco is the birthplace of mountain biking. It's like where people took these old clunker Schwinn cruisers and like, took them on dirt for the first time and kind of invented mountain biking. Rubicon is supposed to be like World War II vets took the first civilian Jeeps in like the late 40s on this gnarly ass. It's like one of the only passes into over the Sierras into Tahoe, like an east-west passage, and it's gnarly. And uh, I can't believe they did it in old school Jeeps, but those old school Jeeps are basically tractors. Um, Yeah, it was just relentless. When you're in Utah... And even on a hard trail, you'll like do a hard rock problem for five minutes and then drive a quarter mile. And then there's a new hard rock problem. And the Rubicon was just, I mean, uh, there's, there's videos on YouTube, like dirt every day took like stock trucks on it. And it took them, I think eight hours to go the first mile and a half and stuff like that. And it's supposed to be like a two day trip in a pretty good rig. And, and the friends I was with, we had a forerunner and we had a a super modified V8 Pathfinder that was amazing, like super incredible. Guy just hand fabricating everything for it because no one makes Pathfinder parts for a 2007 Pathfinder. They allotted up to four days to go basically nine miles, and then it's like 11 miles out on dirt roads that are a little chunky, but nine hardcore miles. And it is, it was fucking relentless. <laughs> like, I can't believe I was watching videos and I was like, you know, there's so many like how-to trail videos in Utah and for famous trails, but there was no like comprehensive set. People would just show, oh, hey, we're stuck in this place, or hey, this is easy, this is beautiful, this is hard. But there were no like comprehensive. Like, I had no idea how bad it would be, but I did notice in a lot. Of the, I just like spent the last week watching videos of people doing it. That was mostly like it looks like a river, a gnarly kayaking rapids kind of riverbed that's empty. <clears throat> like three to five foot rocks just jumbled everywhere. Nothing like nothing that looks like a roadbed. And so, <clears throat> I mean, after the first mile, that's all it turned into for nine more miles. <laughs> and I think in the first day we went for eight hours and we got three and a half, four miles. Like we didn't, we got farther than we thought, but we didn't get as far as we wanted. And then the next day we spent 12 hours to go three miles. <laughs> and it was so... <laughs> It was so gnarly. I was doing okay. My Jeep, I was just dragging it over things. So the problem was my like uh, barely above stock height, 35s, and aired way down. Like I was just dragging the belly on everything. I had heard, you should get a lot of underbody protection before you go do this. And, and I was like, yeah, I'll just risk it and see. Everything worked out okay. I There's a lot of metal noises. I had a great time. <laughs> I did get stuck a few times on really dumb things. Like I would just get the, the diff on like the one rock in a hundred <laughs> yards. And like suddenly I'm like turtled on like two rocks and a friend would have to winch me off. <laughs> I had the stupidest ways I got stuck. But it was, it was 
what we mostly saw, we went midweek because we knew it was like every weekend is a big like Jeep Jamboree and 300 guys show up and, and you pay 500 bucks or something for people to kind of help you and spot you and all that shit. We went midweek knowing it'll be dead and all we saw were like basically hicks and rock buggies. All we saw were the most amazing tube chassis Jeeps cool. just flying through the place. Also, you see adventure. I mean, you see dirt bikes. You know, on a dirt bike, you can just do it in a day. <laughs> you can do the entire length and back. Like, it's no problem. It takes three hours or something on a dirt bike, and it takes three days in a car just because it's so hard to fit. You know, there's so many, like, little V-notches with walls of rock everywhere. It, I mean, man, that was a hard-ass trip. Yeah, was there a dominant feature that, like, is the main thing, or is it just, like, there's a little bit of everything, and it's and you're pinned in? Well, they're kind of famous for like these big granite slabs with these beautiful views, and that that's like the the non intense parts. There were there were parts where you just had beautiful views, and you're on a giant like it was almost like driving on the top of half dome, kind of like just beautiful, like like just hundreds of yards of granite in all directions. You're just going up and down shelves, and it's not that bad. But like the eighty percent of the trail is just gnarly boulder runs, <laughs> and then like. They, that, yeah, these things should be like raging rivers, I guess. <laughs> and That's it's cool. just fucking brutal. We, yeah, we didn't have to winch that much. Most of it was like nursing the 6,300 pound forerunner through things that didn't have a ton of lift. So it's kind of like, we, I mean, we would take an hour to get through hard problems. I, by the end of it, I got so frustrated because everyone was going so slow. We'd stop for 15 minutes, we'd walk, walk back. And by the end, I was kind of like, this isn't the Olympics of off roading dudes. Like, Put it in crawl mode. Put it in super low, and let's just try. Like that's what I like to do. So at the, at the end, I just took off. Like the second night, we got yeah. We started at eight a.m. We stopped at eight p.m. and we're like two miles from the end of it. And I was like, I, I gotta have a shower for the first time in three days. Like, see you guys. I'm gonna go for it. And I basically in two hours like climbed out. But in the on the way out, I slashed one of my tires. I had to change a a flat at the very top of the trail by myself at like 10.30 in the pitch black while looking at the Milky Way. And when I got home, I bought 37s because I completely <laughs> ruined one of my 35s. <laughs> what are you using for a jack out there? That was funny. Someone had a high lift jack that broke on us. And I, in the last second, I was like, fuck it, I'll bring 50 extra pounds. I brought my brand new like off-road jack from the Harbor Freight, made a copy of the Pro Eagle one. And it's like everybody used it. We used it all week. Oh, yeah. The Pathfinder ended up breaking a CV. We had three or four extra CVs with us for the Toyota and Nissan guys. And the Nissan eventually broke the CV. And he's like, I can change it for in a half hour in my driveway. He pulled out the CV and it turned out it was for a Titan oh, no. truck. And it was like an inch too wide or something. So he ended up getting, he had a cut wheel, axle, you know, a grinder, and like cut the CV off completely so he could just keep the tire on so he was three-wheeling after that but uh, that took probably two hours and i had i I did made a whole video out of it i just running around the gopro every so often clicking it but like we eventually got that pathfinder going pathfinder is pretty badass it's like big v8 how i listeners how i found out was a text with a picture of the trucks that were going, you were like about to go on the route yeah. on trail. And and the Pathfinder was the one, I didn't even ask you because I was just yeah. like, he's he's busy. But yeah, the Pathfinder, I was like, 
either that's the most kick-ass thing there or the least. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is the most. It's like, I think it's a 2007 to 10. They didn't sell that many, but it had a V8 and most of the running gear from the Armada and the Titan. And he's like, anytime anything breaks, he upgrades it to like Titan stuff. Like they all share a platform. Nissan sounds pretty smart. Like everything was interchangeable. But unfortunately, the CV axles are one inch off from each other. So like that didn't go great. But I mean, other if you got out, it worked. Yeah, and yeah, like everyone loved it. It was on 35s on true beadlocks, and like he had three or four inches of lift. But like <laughs> he custom made a front bumper, and he needs to custom make a rear bumper because it kept like grinding on stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, he got thumbs up from everybody. I mean, people could not believe that. It looks like a mom SUV pulling into the gnarliest situations and getting out of them. But yeah, Rubicon, no joke. I don't think. Jeep has always said, you know, a Rubicon model should be capable of doing the Rubicon. And I know their testing grounds in Michigan have like little mini Rubicons they test on. But, and they, they apparently like bring out a couple, you know, new Rubicons every spring yeah. to like test. Like on whatever, 31 or 33 inch tires at stock height. I don't, I mean, that would take forever. That would probably be a four day trip of, yeah, of lots I've heard of that winching. A few times, and I'm not dissing on Jeep. I don't, I don't know enough to even form a proper insult but like the the thing i've always heard about the rubicon in particular was lots it's not as hard as you think if you have as much time as you want like <laughs> like you can't lots of things can get through it and really more i mean it's in the sense of like a marketing thing where people are yeah. like we just took this on the rubicon trail and it's like were there support trucks? Like what else, you know, it's like, what else was there and how long did it take you to Yeah, someone do posted it? on Instagram like two weeks ago, they took like a TJ from like whatever, 2001 super stock on 31 inch tires and they did the entire trail in 12 hours. And like, yeah, but they probably had a rock buggy front and back pulling them off things and pushing them up things and, and winching too and stuff. But I, I think we can safely say that anybody that does anything that seems like we couldn't do it must be cheating. <laughs> I'll just say like, man, that's what a nine or 10 trail is. Okay. <laughs> like, thanks. I had no idea. Like, I'd did it give you any hunger for like doing more super technical things or did it kind of go like, actually, now I know where my sweet spot is. I was envying the people in rock buggies I was with long travel and shit. I mean, I saw like a 16 year old kid. You know, these are all like custom <laughs> made in the backyard kind of rigs. And they would just brrr, like go over things like it was a side by side. You know, they'd be off in the horizon. I mean, it made me want like, you know, more. it just made me want to, you know, make a rock crawler. <laughs> but like those suck to drive around town. So I was like long travel and I need a new a flat belly pan. Like I found like, you know, a friend said, oh, you should have gotten these like thick aluminum, completely flat skid plates that are make it perfectly flat and it looks incredible but it's like 2500 bucks for the parts i squashed my muffler all the way pancaked it to like just like it hit a rock just perfectly we had to grab pliers just to get like exhaust gases to go out of it again <laughs> but yeah, it was just like oh man so many things to upgrade and and i see though the one advantage i had was like that entire world is based on a jeep four-door wrangler and I've seen this before when I've done trails where like, you know, a friend in a Lexus or whatever, or Forerunner is like dragging because he's four inches wider. And I was like, oh my, like every, every set of tire tracks is the exact width of, you know, whatever, 76 inches of a, 78 inches of a Wrangler. And so the other guys were having more trouble. And it's like, if I was on 37s with like a four inch lift, I'd bet you I could have just skated over everything because 
all the gaps and all the rocks are like made for like that is the gold standard for what are you gonna have to lift to go to 37s or did you already get it you i have a two inch lift on it and i think i'm gonna put some three and a half inch coils and get rid of the two inch spacer lift so it'll just be a little bit higher but um they work great and i have tons of um, articulation and stuff now i see why i mean when we pulled up there were a million trailers you know goosenecks and trailer rigs like tow pigs and stuff and i was like holy crap there must have been 20 flatbed trucks at the parking lot and i only saw a couple other jeeps you know during the midweek it was all hardcore guys the other thing i learned is that i don't like is people are putting boat speakers you know those fiberglass bullet things from like a water ski boat on their roll bars and cranking hank williams senior and chris stapleton at the t- like it was like a trump rally in some of the camping areas like it was a lot just to hear like out in the middle of nowhere there's no cell service that was the other thing that was surprising we're like 20 miles from tahoe or 10 miles from tahoe absolutely zero cell service from the start to the end and i was like this is such a popular trail and people roll over and get hurt a lot and you're in california and you're by all these bay area <laughs> tech billionaire houses in Tahoe and no phone signal at all. Like we all had, I had a, I like turned on satellite comm so I could text my wife and stuff each night that things are going okay. Yeah, I'm, it was gnarly. I'm, I'm glad you got a taste of real America and I'm also <laughs> glad that you had the confidence to know that it's not for you. <laughs> Anytime somewhere, it just keep, it keeps coming up. I'm in somewhere serene having a good calm time and all of a sudden someone comes up with a Bluetooth speaker or their phone just blaring and it's country music. <laughs> like while I'm walking the dog and I'm just like, what the fuck? There's 20 the, people enjoying nature here, you asshole. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I like playing music if I don't think there's anybody around, but yeah, yeah there's, there was a, one of our favorite campsites in the Catskills that we, was just kind of our default place we would go to. I would say like every other time we went there one year, there were these perfectly lovely young Eastern European boys who would play house music, like almost like that was the whole reason they were out there was to just like listen to house music at full blast <laughs> next to this like beautiful Catskills trout pond. And it was just like, oh, You know what man. a surprising thing I just learned on the, we did a camping trip right before Rubicon where we slept on the lake, this high mountain lake in Eastern Oregon. And like we could, we booked it very late. We got like one of the last tent spots surrounded by RVs and we were like, oh, it's going to be so bad. RV people sleep in and like yeah. they don't have generators anymore. There's shore power at every campsite. Like everyone's retired and slept till 930 in the morning. It was incredible. I was like, this is actually pretty great because I'm used yeah. to. Uh, symphony of zippers at 630 in the morning just zzz, 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 waking me up from all the other ca- uh, tent turds around me and it was like oh my god people that were in their air conditioned kitted out trailers just enjoying themselves not making a fucking peep like they no, went th- RV people are chill yeah they went to sleep at 9pm and they got up at 9 or 10am like it was great like I was I was actually completely surprised I do have one truck update that made the RV made, made me think of it my uncle Vern switched from one F, I think it's a 250, to another, and the last one was a dually, and this one just is a 4x4, and he was shocked at how bad it was at pulling a boat up a dock. Just pure traction, mm. which like, you know, I know what duallys are for, but I was shocked. Like, he, it was a diff- he could tow his old boat up without putting it into 
four-wheel drive, and he had to put the new one into four-wheel drive. Hmm. But it was a very nice truck, and I, I still... Dooley's having all that weight in the back wheels, putting it down. Yeah. And just more rubber. Yeah, yeah just more, totally. more, more traction. But I also, Jeez. like... Uh, yeah, I really... We, we mostly, since the F-150 Raptor R wreck, <laughs> let go of the hope of or plan to buy a Raptor, and that had turned into me going, well, maybe I'll buy an F-150, but not a Raptor, except it is, in my investigations, turned out that you might as well just buy a Raptor because, like, a nicely appointed F-150 Lariat or whatever is, like, 70 grand, and yeah. you can get a Raptor now for, like, 80 grand, so why not just get the Raptor? But uh, I also woke up and one morning was like, wait, I can't afford a new $80,000 truck. What am, I, what am I doing? Like, this is crazy. But we had this, like, Crystal and I both had this spiritual longing to be like, well, we killed one, one F-150. <laughs> oh, right. We were, like, yeah. Do you want to talk more about that? Another haven't I, I thought I talked about it on our last episode, but I guess Did I haven't, have I? I think it happened right after we recorded. Oh, Thank you were about to take it. It was the weekend. That's right. Oh, man. Okay. It was like the I weekend tell before this, it. I mean, you can not, do it in like a minute. <laughs> okay. First of all, you're not my boss. And second of all, <laughs> it won't take me that long. It's not much of a story. But like we had taken, we, we, we went to, we were going to see a concert in the Gorge. And we'd bought tickets for that months before. And then that like Bear Spring adventure trailer thing had come out and gotten a bunch of news and i reached out to them to say hey could i borrow that and they were like sure mammoth overland is the name of that company and the trailer was called the ellie the extinction level event (laughs) which i can talk about a little bit too but and then i i reached out to a couple car companies that i know and was like hey i'm taking this like adventure trailer out do you have anything and ford was the first to respond and they were like would a raptor r be fine and i was like god damn it Yes, one hundred and ten thousand dollar full. I mean, if you could get one, you can't yeah. get one now for less than a buck thirty, buck forty. Wow! So you know, we pull, we fly into Seattle, we get into this like iconic silver, like beautiful, beautiful truck. Pick up the trailer, go run around with that for a few days. How was the trailer? The trailer's great, actually. Is the, it like the, seventy grandish or something? They didn't. I I can't remember what because the one we were in was basically the concept, right? It was right. like the first one they'd built, and so they have sold more since they came out. But I don't know what like the options package ends up being off the top of my head. But yeah, I would say if you added everything, it has bulletproof, bulletproofing, and all of that stuff like it was probably close to a hundred thousand dollars i mean the the i i actually wrote a piece for autopian still that was like trying to be a review of it and then it's kind of caught in edit hell right now because they don't want to hear my thoughts about the nature of camping itself but it's a really nice trailer like Mm -hmm. i like the setup of it that they're actually mammoth's real day job is they make airplane parts and so they're like really good at aluminum work So you have this like really nicely set up aluminum sealed camper that's simple, but smartly designed swing out kitchen in the back, had air conditioning, battery array, Starlink, like all of that stuff. (laughs) The ELE stuff, like the extinction level event stuff, honestly, like to me, it feels more of like it was, I mean, sure, but it was almost just like the vibe from these guys was much more that it was just there having fun. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, let's just do something do something fun and like what they'd had customers in the past ask them like are your trailers bear proof and that's like what kicked off the whole thing where they were like well how could we make a bear proof trailer even though 
the trailers are bear proof insofar as like no bear is going to tear apart an aluminum trailer unless you know it was you know a orthodontic orthodontist bear <laughs> that like really you know had to get in there and like so I really liked the trailer but it was actually an extremely hard review to write because I'm kind of in this concept thing what that had a bunch of other features that I wouldn't necessarily I don't have any interest in but yeah anyway the short version very nice trailer you know I'm not a trailer guy but it was an extremely pleasant experience primarily because of the air conditioning if I'm honest like having an air conditioned setup is very nice but anyway so we did that we took we dropped the trailer off at an RV park for a day and took the Raptor R out to the dunes and like ran around in the dunes and like what a truck like what a machine and like I've driven Raptors before but that V8 in there does really just turn it into something else and it was great and we went to the concert and it was wonderful and we're driving back to Seattle getting ready to catch a plane that night it was like maybe 10 in the morning cruising in the right lane and then all of a sudden I just felt somebody hitting us and without setting up any of the drama to skip to the end some kids in a a Econoline box truck fell asleep they were like worked for some AC like HVAC company they were on their way to a job they fell asleep and just kind of wandered into our lane hit the back the like the corner of the Raptor at, at the bed and fortunately it was slow enough that I had a second to think and it was able to because I could feel the trailer starting to do something I, I don't want to over dramatize and say like oh the trailer was about to go maybe it was maybe it wasn't I, I I didn't I couldn't tell but I could tell the truck and the trailer were going in two different directions put it that way and so I accelerated into it and got the trailer straight and as I was doing that they continued to go from the back left corner and ride their bumper and edge of the truck up the side of the f-150 and so we pulled over you know did all of that stuff i felt bad for these kids on one hand but also at the same time was like i would like to murder you <laughs> like how dare you like was the trailer and, okay and the trailer yeah. got hit somehow but it was it got way yeah. less damage than the truck did because <laughs> i think it the trailer i think got a glancing blow Maybe in that part where it was wiggling, it might have wiggled into the... Like, I, I couldn't understand exactly the order yeah. of damage or, you know, how that worked. But it was a deeply sucky day because, you know, we immediately went into triage mode because we were like, okay, like, we just damaged not just one company's product, but two companies' Including products. one concept. One of which was a concept. <laughs> the Mammoth Overland people couldn't have been chiller like they immediately like sent somebody out to pick up the trailer and when they got out there were like you know what can we do to help you guys like it's just they're like we build these things it's fine we'll build more like it's no big deal and like you know obviously you know i was out there like covering it they could have i don't know you yeah. can tell like it was sincere and and then ford was fine like ford was just like yeah this sucks but we ended up having to make a call because ford was like well, you have a, you know, at this point it's like one in the afternoon and we had a flight at like yeah. eight and still had two hours to get back to Seattle. And so we just, I took it out 
drove it around at low speed a little bit and it was definitely out of alignment and but it was it was seemed okay <laughs> enough to drive and the person from Mammoth Overland who had come to pick up the trailer drove behind us for a few miles just to make sure we were doing okay and the track was definitely out like it it, it was straight but the rear axle was not aligned with the front wheels by a couple inches but but it was fine like we could get we could get to to seattle we could get to drop it off and yeah i mean i guess the denouement is like you know it was fine we rushed took a red eye home got home immediately went back into our other lives i like quickly wrote up a thing for autopian to just be like here's here's what happened while it was fresh in my head and then the funniest part of it was that was i think on a monday and a week later Crystal and I both woke up and looked at each other and were like, oh, that was a really bad accident. <laughs> like, we had completely just buried it and moved on. And it is, it is, nobody knows, you know, no, no way to know for certain. But if that, if those guys, when they fell asleep and wandered into our lane, if they would have hit the trailer instead of the truck, we probably would have yeah. rolled because we were doing 75 miles an hour, whatever the, whatever the, the speed limit was. And it, even at that kind of just fall asleep and drift into a lane thing, it, the, you know, you're, it's a trailer and if they, and it's a relatively small trailer. And so we, we definitely got lucky. We definitely had a moment of like, oh right, <laughs> we almost like, died. just random things <laughs> can happen. We almost died. And that's why I bought a motorcycle. Cause I'm like, well, fuck it. Like, you can't really predict this <laughs> stuff, but I felt so bad. We had such a nice time in both the trailer and the truck. And Crystal was like, I think I want an F-150 and not a yeah. midsize. And she was just like, <laughs> the, she was the first truck she's ever been like, this truck is great. And I was had to immediately be like, we can't get this truck. <laughs> but I'm like, we could maybe squeeze out a Raptor, but really we could probably just get some F-150 and it'll have you know a lot of the same niceties. <laughs> But yeah, man, it was wicked. I basically like was at, I didn't do it. I'm not trying to like cover my ass legally. Nobody's, nobody, nobody's doubting me. But just to be clear in the retelling, I did not wreck it, but I was definitely at the helm Damn of, <laughs> you know, $200,000 worth of hardware that like just instantly got like cheesed Ugh. by some kid. And, and it honestly, it was a good, there was a good lesson for me in that too, which is like, you know, I'm pretty cheap. I have some nice things, but I always buy used things when I can, yada, yada. And like, you know, if that truck would have been any of the things I've had that I've built up and shoved tons of money into, like, yeah, there's insurance and, you know, a lot of this stuff would be taken care of. I'm not saying baby all your stuff, but it did really just like underline to me, <laughs> you know, it, it, this stuff is all finite. Yeah. Like it's not, not lives. I'll live forever. But like, this stuff, like, you don't need to overthink it. Like, just go use it, and sometimes it's going to get broken, and that's the way it goes. <laughs> God, I'm glad you're alive. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. And also, like, it was, and you could say it was a PR moment, but it was absolutely unnecessary, if 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 so. But Jim Farley, like, like the, when I put a link to the Autopian story on Twitter, was like, "Glad you and Crystal are, are okay." And like, I I don't know Jim, but I. I know a lot of Ford mm -hmm. people, so like it, it, it wasn't like a total surprise, but it's been a very fun 
thing most specifically that, that I needed to have happen be when my mother-in-law found out about it and started to like get really upset and I could, and I could be like, well, the CEO of Ford said he was really glad that Crystal was safe. And she's like, oh, well, that's nice. And immediately distracted her with that to be like, stop taking my daughter out in these dumb adventures. And I'm like, I will never. Oh, she's the one that wants to go so anyway. It's crunchy. not my fault. I guess that's episode 17. <laughs> that's our, our signature sign-off. Woohoo!